I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. I'm coming to you from Madison Square Garden. I'll have the call tonight for the Rangers and the Flyers. And that game can be heard on 98.7 ESPN New York. Coverage will begin at 7. Face-off set for 7.30. We'll get to that in a little bit, but there's still much to get into. And, of course, maybe the biggest story, the two biggest stories to me, um, no surprise that Kruger was let go as head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. It was a long time coming. It really was. And it just never worked out from the get-go. And let's not forget, this team at the start of the season were very aggressive in free agency, bringing in Hall, bringing in Stahl. And the feeling was that they were going to try to go for it in a shortened season, try to be a really good offensive team. Maybe that'll wake up Skinner. Maybe that would wake up Eichel. And it just completely fell apart. And... Um, you know, EJ's been on this podcast before talking about over the last six years, he was coaching soccer in Europe. Uh, he did a great job with Team Europe in the World Cup of Hockey, but just, listen, he was over his skis, let's face it. And and that's really been the problem with this team since hiring uh, Dan Bilesma, who had won a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. But you go at a neophyte like Phil Housley, you know, Kruger that had some experience, but certainly not a lot of success. You're not, you're not giving your chance for a franchise to really succeed. And Kevin Adams did the right thing in letting him go. I had speculated that maybe after the 6 nothing loss to the Capitals, they let him go, but they were playing the next day against the Devil team. They had won three of four and uh, another loss. The Devils uh, snapping their 11-game losing streak at home to beat the Buffalo Sabres, and, and then finally that was the last straw. Um, and now Granado takes over on an interim basis. I, I feel good for Dan Girardi. He's going to be an assistant here, and we'll see if – it gains some traction when the new coach comes in, whether it's Claude Julian or whether they're just going to assess things when the season is over. Listen, you know, you're not you're not firing Kruger to save the season. I mean, you're firing Kruger because you want to just make sure you can kind of salvage and save face here down the stretch of the season and put up a good um, product that you can maybe attract some coaches. I mean, who knows who could be available? John Tortorella could get low, go in Columbus. Maybe you can go out after uh, a Michelle Terrian, who's an assistant with Philadelphia, and uh, jo- Claude Julien, who was let go uh, by the Montreal Canadiens. There's a lot of different avenues that you can go here, but I think they've got to get this right and bring in somebody with some experience. It's a tremendous market, and they definitely deserve a good coach. Kevin Adams, their general manager, who's had the job for about five minutes, so you got to spare him a lot of the criticism. I think he did what he thought was right in bringing in some talent to kind of just see what they can do in this truncated season. Talked about why the move now. It felt right that it needed to be done now. We could talk about could have done before. For me, this is about results that haven't been good enough. And, you know, I, I look and evaluate everything. And I was trying to take a real honest, fair evaluation, um, understanding the adversity and the situation our team was in, taking it all into account. But it felt like the right time now. And this is about moving forward. This is about how do we improve? You know, I do believe every crisis is an opportunity for positive change. And this is this is a chance for us to move forward and, and to begin to get this thing pointed in the right direction. 
Yeah, sometimes you just do what just has to be done. And it's not a quick fix. It's just the right thing. Because, uh, honestly, when you've got a coaching situation that's that bad and a team that's that bad, the longer you let it fester, the worse it's going to be, right? And this is going to be a very, very busy offseason, a lot going on. Uh, for the Sabres, and getting the coach right is going to be the first and foremost. So, Kevin, what are you looking for in your next head coach? I'm not going to get into specifics. What I will tell you is that the search will be effective immediately. I have in my head, and I've thought a lot about this recently, characteristics and attributes that I think will be important for this organization, this team moving forward. Uh, there will be a lot of a lot of people that I will speak to. There will be other people part of the process as we go along. But what I don't want to do is rush into anything or make a quick decision um, without truly taking as much time as we need because this is about getting it right. It's, it's great to say I'm looking for this or that or they have to have this or that. This is about getting the right person, and it's critical. You know, it's definitely critical for sure. And also part of the timing is that you've got competition, right? You know, John Tortorella could be in a little trouble in Columbus. What if Columbus lets go of Tortorella and aggressively goes after one of the coaches that you want to interview? Uh, Travis Green is somebody that could very easily be let go in Vancouver. What if they're aggressive uh, in, in that? So there, there could be coaching changes and there may be teams that aren't very patient and, and, and eyeball guys. And what you don't want to do is have to check coaches off of your interview list because they were gobbled up by somebody else so uh, the quicker you can do this the better he got into a little bit more detail on the timing of the firing we have to be better in every single area of this organization starts with me let's let's I, i need to manage better okay i need to be better in every way we need to coach better we need to scout better we need to develop players better we need to practice better i mean you you name it we need to do it better period And I'd said it a couple weeks ago, it's unacceptable um, in every area. So why do we do it? Well, we're doing it because we feel that we have to start to improve. And of course, results matter. This is a results business. And where we are is unacceptable. It speaks for itself, but it's deeper than that. And to change the culture and to do do what we have to do to get this headed in the right direction, I felt this was the move we had to make, regardless of all those things that you mentioned, because that's all real and everybody knows that. Now, the last time this team was a legitimate cup contender, you got to go back to 2006 when they went to the conference final, lost to Carolina in heartbreaking fashion in seven games. They were depleted by injury on the blue line and very easily could have won a Stanley Cup. That's 15 years ago. That's how many coaches ago? How many reset buttons have been pushed since then? Ownership change. And uh, this is maybe a step in the right direction, and this is going to be a colossally big hire for their general manager, Kevin Adams. All right. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The other big story is Anders Lee uh, and his situation injury-wise. And, and let's get the update on Anders Lee from their general manager, Lou Lamarillo. Uh, yes, Anders Lee will undergo surgery this week and uh, will be uh, out for the season. And what's the timetable? We feel uh, he will be ready for next season. Uh, we have all indications of that. And certainly knowing the character and discipline of Anders and the rehab that uh, he will be so diligent at, that uh, he will be ready for next season. 
And how does this change your approach at the deadline? There's no question that now we have cap room, as you said, without this being, you know, on LTI. And whatever we can do to make ourselves better, we will be doing that. It certainly changes our focus. Uh, you lose a player like that, the role that he plays, he's our leading goal scorer, uh, you know, up and certainly until his injury. So that if we can get ourselves better, we will. We, we will not do something just for the sake of doing it. But, you know, we're now looking a little differently. Now, here's where you can get excited if you're an Islanders fan, okay? Lou is very revealing there, and that's something that he normally does not do. He usually keeps it very close to the vest. But it's so obvious this team needs to replace their captain, their leader, and one of their better offensive players, okay? They have to do it. And this is a team that can easily compete for the Stanley Cup if the right move is made. And if you look at Lou's history, when he was with the Devils, he made moves down the stretch that helped the team you know, win a Stanley Cup or at least put them in the picture for a Stanley Cup. You know, he went out and got uh, Howard Chuck. He, he went out, um, Andrew Chuck, excuse me. He went out and got Doug Gilmore. He went out and got Alexander McGillney. Um, he made moves in 95, if you remember, going out and getting uh, uh, Broughton, who had big goals in the postseason. You know, sometimes they're little moves, sometimes they're big moves, but they're always, you know, contributing moves. He has always been very significant moves at the deadline. You know, Neuendijk at the deadline he was able to pick up, uh, if you remember, and that helped them win the Cup in, in 2000. He has always been very aggressive, or 2003, excuse me. He's always been very aggressive at the deadline, bringing important players. And there are players out there that they can get. I mean, Taylor Hall is someone that may be going to the island, playing in that kind of system, can flourish. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, somebody he's very familiar with in New Jersey, is that somebody he goes out and gets. Uh, Mikel Grantlin is somebody that has been rumored to possibly move. This is an exciting time for the Islanders because Lou will push that button. If he thinks he's got a team to win, and this is a team that went to the conference final last year, he will make the move, and that could be pretty exciting. Now, it's tough. You know, you can't, you know, making a move with a Canadian team is going to be difficult because that player is going to have to go into quarantine for 10 plus days. But this is a team that is going to make a move not to solidify a playoff spot or even to win the division. Those things are important. But the main thing is, is to make sure that you've got what it takes once the playoffs start. And I've been a big believer in this Islander team, even though I bet against them last night. That's a whole other story. I went with the Caps and I won. Uh, with my ice picks, but I, I've said for the for the last couple of months now, I think this team can definitely get out of the East. And the way it's structured now with these playoffs is that one plays four, two plays uh, three in your own division, and then each division champion uh, plays in the final four. I can see the Islanders representing the Eastern Division. I think they're that good. They've got Boston's number. Um, they, and they play well against them. Washington's been a problem. Their own three against them, but you know that's really been the only negative. Look for them to make a big move, and Lou is just the guy to do that. And he usually doesn't reveal it. The fact that he's revealing it makes it known that it's that obvious that they've got to be able to make that move. So if I'm an Islander fan, I'm really looking forward over the next um, couple of weeks to see what that big move can be. Well, I mentioned the Capitals. They beat the Islanders last night, snapping New York's nine-game winning streak. Um, they are now 3-0 and against the Islanders, which is something to think about. But Alexander Ovechkin gets goal number 718, all alone now in sixth place all-time among goal scorers as he passed Phil Esposito 
with the goal. Next up will be Marcel Dion, who is at 731. So there's a very good possibility that Ovi will be in the top five by the time the season is over. And he's starting to get hot right now, which is very scary. And the one thing that's been kind of crazy, for the second consecutive year, the Islanders have been red hot at the exact same time the Capitals have been hot. So the Islanders 9-1 and one in their last 10. Guess what? The Capitals are also 9-1 and one in their last 10. They played one less game than the Islanders, so the Capitals are technically right now in first place, even though both teams have 42 points. So uh, Washington will play uh, back-to-back games against the Rangers coming up this weekend. Uh, the Islanders' next game will against uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. So keep an eye on what is a very interesting East Division, right? You've got the battle for first place. Pittsburgh, although they lost last night to Boston, has been good. They've won seven of their last ten. They look like a playoff team right now, much to my surprise. Boston right now, they are the team that's been very average, but they still have that final playoff spot. Three points ahead of Philly, but Philly... You know, they're only 500 over their last 10, but they're coming off a wild win against the Rangers earlier in the week in overtime. If they can win tonight, they'll be just two back of Boston with the exact same um, uh, games played. So I believe that it's right now five teams for four spots. We'll see if the Rangers can maybe get hot and climb back into this. The Rangers have 26 points, so they're eight points off the pace. So they've got a lot of work to do, and we'll find out um, exactly how much the COVID problem is going to grow here uh, for the Rangers, and they need to get their goaltending uh, situation settled. And the only thing we do know about the game tonight is that uh, Georgiev is going to make the start, and he's been pulled in his last two. So congratulations to Alexander Ovechkin as he's all alone in sixth-place goal scorers uh, in the National Hockey League. So let's go over some of the other games. As I mentioned, Boston, Pasternak goal, helps to a 2-1 to win. How about Detroit? Wins against Carolina and Tampa, two of the best teams of the National Hockey League. And you see what I mean? There's Detroit that's in rebuild, and they're not very good, and they're going to finish in last place in their division, but they come to play every single night. They've got some really signature wins against Tampa, against Carolina. So that's a team that is rebuilding and you feel good about. Buffalo, you certainly don't feel good about. Another team you feel really good about uh, are the Wild. They shut out the Coyotes three to nothing. Uh, Tampa's been kind of, I don't know whether they're in a malaise or they just don't care about winning their division. They lose to Detroit. Uh, they toy with the Stars, but they come back and they win that game uh, four to three. And how about the Avalanche as they put eight up on the Ducks? That's a team uh, that is a mess right now. We'll see if they end up uh, making a coaching change before uh, it's all said and done uh, because they have really struggled big time. And you score, you give up eight goals. Kadri's been good for them. He had a four-point night, two goals uh, and two assists. Ronton had two uh, points. Barakovsky had two points in the victory. Um, uh, Gerard on the blue line had two points. Saad's been good. Uh, Taves, great acquisition from the Islanders, uh, three points. So Colorado, we're waiting for that team to warm up. Uh, maybe this is the opportunity uh, for them to do it. So tonight... 7 o'clock starts the Canucks and the Senators from Ottawa. Ottawa, another team in a rebuild, but they come to play every night and they're usually a thorn in everybody's side. NBC Sportsnet's got the 7.30 game here at the Garden between the Rangers and the Flyers. Uh, 9 o'clock tonight, the Canadians and the Winnipeg Jets. That was a big win for Montreal. We're back on Monday against Winnipeg. Sharks and the Golden Knights from Vegas. Kings home for the Blues. And then the Oilers and the Flames. The Battle of Alberta will be the second game of the doubleheader on NBC Sportsnet as the Flames. It's just amazing what Daryl Sutter can do, right? He comes in three games, three wins, a couple of games, a couple of wins against Montreal to get themselves back into the playoff hunt. Edmonton, they beat them the other night too. So Calgary looked like they were in trouble. They're still two points out of a playoff spot, but they've got a game in hand on Montreal. They are five points back of Edmonton for third place in the division with two games in hand. So if they can win in regulation tonight against Edmonton, 
they would be only four points back with still two games in hand for third place. So Calgary still very much alive uh, to make the playoffs. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct is the way uh, to do that. All right, let's go to Don L. And he says, hey, Don, since the Islanders have lost Lee for the season, who do you think they can trade for at the trade deadline? Also, which is the best and worst reverse retro jerseys you like or don't like? I hate the Ducks. They're going to wear it tonight. It's one of the, it, it, it takes you back to that really awful Mighty Ducks time, and it looked like it was drawn by a three-year-old, like one of my twins. I hate that jersey. I'm not a big fan of the Liberty jerseys for the Rangers, although I like the Liberty jersey, but I just don't like the gray numbers. I, I can take or leave Edmonton's. I can take or leave Toronto's, and of course the best. Nobody beats you know the Kings. Nobody beats the Wild. Nobody beats the Avalanche. Those are the best reverse jerseys. Ozzy says, so here's my idea for the NHL moving forward. Keep the season 56 games, followed by qualifying wild card round to determine the playoff teams. Kind of like Major League Baseball. Also, is the current nightly three-point game swing not the best argument for a three-point system? I get that. We've had this conversation before, Ozzy. You know, when you start grading wins and now you're going to start grading losses, I I don't know. I'm, I'm still not completely on board with the three-point system. I don't like your idea for 56 games. The owners won't like it, especially coming out of the pandemic. They're going to want as many games as possible. I I do understand the sentiment, though, because the two years we had 48-game schedules because of the lockout, the regular season meant more, the games were more competitive, but you're never going to convince the owners to sacrifice home dates, especially coming out of the pandemic. So that is never, ever going to happen. John says, could you see the Islanders making a trade for Palmieri given the league injury? If so, what do you think the Devils get in return? Well, you're not going to get a lot for Palmieri in return, okay? He's an older player. He hasn't been overly productive this year. You know, you're probably looking at maybe just getting getting a pick, maybe a lesser player. You know, the Devils aren't exactly bargaining or with, with a lot of strength there. But it still doesn't mean that that's not a deal that you don't make. I mean, I so I don't think you get a lot back in return, but I still think definitely worth trading. I like Paul Mary. I know it's a great story, Jersey kid playing for the Jersey team, but Devils got a lot, a lot of work to do. So um, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, Paul Mary possibly be an acquisition. As I said, you know, Hall could be an acquisition. Stall could be. I think a lot of you're just going to see a fire sale in Buffalo, and a lot of those players in the right places could be um, some key, um, some key. Uh, acquisitions there um let's see richard says hey don considering rangers current roster and prospects do you have all the pieces to be a cup contender in year or two or three going forward uh does the number one center number two center need to be addressed from outside and will grit be needed well grit is something that not as needed as you've seen in the past i think lemieux can supply that grit when he's playing and he's engaged and not taking stupid penalties but he's got some skill um, going along with a guy that can be an instigator and, and have a little bit of bite. You've seen some bite uh, from Lindgren on the blue line, too, so I don't think that's as much of, a, of an issue. Yeah, certainly center. Now, if you're going to get the play that you've gotten recently from Zabanajad, it's less of a problem, right? And and Heedle is somebody I think can grow into being uh, one of the top two centers on this team. He missed 14 games, let's not forget, and he's also a kid. I think the ship has sailed on Howden being one of the top centers, but he's still somebody that's going to play uh, that role. So I, I think they're going to try to address it within the organization, but much like defenseman Richard, it's very difficult to get high-end centers. It really, really is. It's very expensive and very difficult uh, to get. Chris says, hi, Don, two things. First, I'm sorry I'm late to the party, but I hope ESPN uses you in their NHL coverage. Second, 
Thoughts on Farabee's play Monday and the goal he scored. Don't want to ca- carry it away, but based on his play, could he be better than we expected? No question. I think he's in, in the conversation for the Calder Trophy. He won't win it. And the kid in Minnesota will, but he's in the conversation. Uh, I like the fact that he's got um, you know, a, a great shot. That was, the, that was the impressive thing about the goal on Monday was that the, the shot's been terrific. And he's got, what, 14 goals, most of them even strength, which is pretty cool. Um, I love I love what he's brought to the table. He's a very, very good player. And, yeah, you're getting a lot more out of him than I think a lot of Flyer fans were expecting. He's definitely, in my mind, leapfrogged over Nolan Patrick as what's uh, going to be one of the really good young players uh, in this organization. He's already leapfrogged over Gostaspare as well as far, you know, because that he's kind of settled into what he is uh, when there were so many expectations around him when he was a rookie. But Farabee is certainly a very, very good player for this Philadelphia team. I like this Philadelphia team a lot. Uh, Brett says, one aspect of this year's Rangers team I wasn't worried about was goaltending. Igor seems to get hurt a lot. Georgiev can't stop a beach ball, and Kincaid is, is what he is. If Igor can't stay healthy, be what he was last year, are the Rangers uh, goaltending in trouble? I, I got to say this. I don't want to talk about players being injury prone, okay? Because he doesn't have that much of a resume. Uh, he's only been in the league. I mean, has he even played a full season? He came in late last year. We're barely halfway point this year. Uh, but he has had some injury problems. We still don't know exactly what happened in the bubble last year. Uh, he's banged up this year. Um, I do think he's the goaltender of the future. And if he is, then you're in good shape. Because even when you had Hank, you had a, a revolving door of backups, whether it was Weeks, whether it was Valaket, whether it was Mackenzie Zapsky, whether it was... Um, uh, Talbot, there were so many, so many guys. Auntie Ranta, there were so many guys. It didn't matter because you had Hank to plug in. And if Igor is going to be the next Hank, you're okay. But Georgiev, I thought, would challenge him. I've been very disappointed with him. And you're right, Kincaid's a nice story, but Kincaid's not the future of this organization. So it has developed into a problem because they haven't stolen any games. And for a team that's going to miss the playoffs, I would think uh, having a few games where the goaltender stands on his head would have been nice. I mean, I covered a lot of Ranger games, called a lot of Ranger games where the Rangers were outplayed. They were outchanced, and they still won the game, or they earned a point because of forcing it overtime because of the play of the goaltender. And there's not been one time this year where you could say that a goaltender has stolen a game. And, and I think that's important in this league because you watch some of these games, and let's face it, there's a lot of times where we recap a game, and, oh, look at look at Rene the other night for Nashville. The wins um, against Tampa. Why? Because he, he really played well. He made 38 saves, and, yeah, they scored four goals or whatever it was, but he kept them in the game when Tampa maybe could have blew them out early. You know, and we've seen that a lot, just a goalie just standing on his head and stealing a game. That has not happened at all for this New York Rangers team, and that's certainly something they want to change uh, going forward. So this is fun, getting a chance to be here at the Garden, calling a game live, a few fans in the building, nothing wrong with that. So we'll be back with you again on Friday, and Friday, you know what that means, controversy. It means uh, actually talking about the top five of the week, which always gets me in a lot of trouble. You want to reach out to me, easy way to do it, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for all of the information. Thanks to Anthony Pusick. We really produced it up today with a lot of sound with Lou Lamarillo and Kevin Adams, but there was a lot going on, so you guys deserved it. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.